<sighs> Come on, stream, you can do it. There you are. Good to see you this morning, stream. Good morning. Good morning. Tuesday, 22nd of September. Off and rolling. A good week ahead of us. Still chilly out here in Virginia. Oh, my goodness. Watch out for the cold snaps coming. Fall is about on top of us. Mm -hmm. oh. Days are getting shorter. Weather's getting cooler. Leaves are starting to fall. It's that time of year. I, I miss the... Gonna miss the warmness. That's for sure. So how are you all doing today is the question. What you got planned for the day? What's the day entail for you guys? I'll tell you what we're seeing. Looking at the news this morning, we got some uh, some craziness, of course. How long is fishing good for? That's a good question, right? Most organizations have a fishing awareness program. It's part of their annual cyber awareness. Most folks don't take it more than that. Most folks throw it in that annual cyber awareness. Maybe we'll talk about it next month. It's October. Security Awareness Month, that's where we update all our security stuff. We have a little bit more focus on security. Maybe next month's when we're going to do fishing. But how long, how long is that training good for? Now, we'll talk about that this morning. Fileless malware, topping Cisco's list of, of attacks. Strange it. the list talks about What's on top? What's the number one attack vector by volume, but not not necessarily by impact. So we gotta gotta kind of meter that. We gotta meter that. So there's a report out from Cisco. So we'll dig into the details of the the, the Cisco report, determine what what it's all about, and then we will finish off talking about sanctions against Iran and what that could mean to you. Um, Alex is here this morning. Good morning, Alex. I think the dogs are ready to, to go out and Alex answers the question. Who let the dogs out? It was Alex. Alex let the dogs out. Finally, after all these years, we figured out who did it. It was Alex. So we had three big stories to talk about today. 22nd of September, 2020, rolling right along in the year. Um, finish up the, getting ready to finish up the third quarter. Third quarter, so let's get the intro rolling, and then we will be back to talk about the news. Do, do, do. Alex is saying, dogs are fed and walked and half his daily tasks may be over. I don't know. Oh, so we do this, we do this exercise and, and some of the, I'm going to be honest guys, some of the things we do in security are almost half-hearted. Um, 
and I'm going to say end user awareness, end user training, end user education. Sometimes in some organizations, this is a half-hearted event. It's it's we don't put a lot of money into our training programs. We don't put a lot into investing in ed end user education, and we could pay for that. We could pay dearly in the end if we don't take care of our end users. Our end users are that point that so many attackers are going after. I've seen some organizations do a great job. They build great training programs. Um, I've seen some folks that are half-hearted. Um, one of the organizations, one of the three-letter organizations out here in the D.C. area, in that we call the DMV, uh, the D.C., Maryland, and Virginia Metroplex. Um, one of those three-letter three agencies I used to support, I'm not going to say which one, they go out every year, at least when I was there, I don't know if they're still doing it, and they build, um, they see what the current trend is in kind of media. And if it's like, if it's, I don't know, Game of Thrones, they build a video around that theme. And, and people from the organization, including up to and including, I've seen the chief security officer, I think maybe in one, even the director of the organization was in the video dressed as a character from the theme of that year. And they build a brand new one every year. Uh, they spend a lot of time and money building these 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 videos. And in the video, it's it's like a little TV show. And they go through the security measures they're trying to to impress on the end user for that year. And it's 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 goofy. Yeah, sure, it's goofy. But it kind of sticks. You know, they spend a lot of money. And to talk, can you imagine talking? the chief security officer of a three-letter agency into dressing up like one of the characters from Game of Thrones and acting that part out in a video for annual security awareness training. Um, yeah, it was, it, it, was, it was a good event. They put time and money into end-user training. But other organizations I've been part of Every year, the DOD puts out kind of a canned, and I don't even think it's every year. I think it lasted for years and years, the same one. They put out the ability to link to a, a fairly decent training exercise, and a lot of organizations I've seen in the past, every year would just point to that training exercise, go do the DOD training. And that was all the effort they put into it. So we see this vast spectrum of what people are willing to do for their end user training. Good morning, Paul. Good to see you. Good to see you in the morning. Um, so that's kind of the point. We've got October coming up. What is your organization doing to push end user training? And then what are you going to do the rest of the year? Do we just care once a year? Do we care that we meet that metric that we can tick the box that Everyone in the organization has done their end user training and that's all we care about? Or do we really care that the end user is not going to click that link, that the end user is not going to plug a thumb drive in, that the end user is not going to um, browse a malicious site? 
and make our jobs harder. So we have to start there. We have to start with the end user. I think this is my view. And that brings us to the first story we're going to talk about here this morning. So phishing, and this is from ZDNet. Obviously, like always, the the um, links to this stuff is in your show notes. So this is, who did this? Caitlin Chipanu. Chip, Chimpanu. You know I'm going to mess these names up. So just, uh, if if you know these folks that break these articles, I'm sorry I messed their names up. Um, goes on to say, security and phishing awareness programs wear off after time. Uh, and employees need to be retrained around every six months. And this is according to a paper presented by the Usenix Soups Security Conference last month. And what they did is they looked at an organization they could track. And the organization was in the German public administration sector. And they these guys got to go through training uh, programs. Uh, academics from several German universities surveyed 409 of 2,200 employees of the State Office of Geoinformation and State Survey, S-O-G-S-S. And they're trying to determine what, what is the point where awareness starts wearing off. So employees were split into multiple groups and tested at 4, 6, 8, 10, and 12 months after receiving on-site phishing training, uh, fish, an on-site phishing training course. I might need a little illy coffee in my New York City cup. So we got these groups. We took these these 400, I'm going to say 400, 409. We take these 400 people. Some we're going to check at four months, six months, eight months, 10 months, and 12 months and see where the effectiveness of this training drops off. So the research team found that while survey takers were able to correctly identify phishing emails after four months following the initial training, it was not the case after six months and beyond. Um, and that's why they're recommending new training. So, so really they're finding the sweet spot for training is at six months, right? At six months, we need to retrain. Oh, Eric, good morning. Good morning. Good morning to you, sir. Um, so we, we, we found that six months is the, is the, the place, right? Um, they go on to say researchers develop their own reminders in order to replenish the employees' phishing awareness and knowledge, which they then use to retrain employees after taking the survey again at six and 12 months. Develop four different ones, they say four different training modules. Four reminder measures were distributed to four groups, one per group. Um, one reminder was text, one was a vi video, one was an interactive example, and the last one was short text. Um, so we get four different groups now, uh, and we sent them all these reminders. Um, sort of goes on to say, the researcher goes on to say, really, 12 months after the tutorial, we compared the knowledge retention of the four reminder groups. Among the four, four reminder measures, the video measure and the interactive example performed the best with their impact lasting at least six months after being rolled out. So 
Academics concluded while training employees in detecting phishing emails might help organizations fend off some of the attack, this training needs to be cyclical with training sessions repeated optimally every six months using interactive or video training measures. Um, and if you want to read on, there's more. PDF is linked in the story from ZDNet, but it brings you know that this point, you know, we have to, we build all these technical measures in place. We go out as security folks, as risk folks, as cyber folks. We go out and we we buy the the million dollar, the multi million dollar tool, the software, the the the, the monitoring thing. And we put it in place. We say, this technical measure is going to be the one that does the thing we need it to do. And we buy into that. We buy into the salesman's pitch, the salesperson's pitch of what is going to make security work. But I'm going to keep going back to this. The base security principles have to be met. And that's... We have to train our end users and we have to use, we'll go a little further than that. We have to have role specific training. If we have developers in our organization, those developers need to have developer specific training. And we can be as simple as taking something like the, the SANS top, top 10 coding principles or OWASP top 20 and say, Okay, organization, organization, our organization, we have developers. We're going to take OWASP's top 20, and that's going to be the basis for where we start our training program. Um, if we have system developers, we'll follow along with the same thing. Maybe we take this, the, the SANS, I know it's the CIS now, top 20, and we start building that into our training program. Our end users, they need this end user training. Look out for phishing. How do we know what phishing looks like? How do we handle data correctly? We need to have a program that's specific to the risks for the time period we're on. We don't want to have, I'm just saying, we don't want to have some of the organizations I've seen, especially in the DOD, where they just say, okay, we've got to check the block. DOD has a program available. Let's just have everybody go through it, and when they go through it, we'll check the blocks, and, and we're done. We're done for the year. That's that's not taking care of people. we got to take care of people. And taking care of people means they're trained and they, they look for this. So this article is saying, let's let's look at our program. Let's figure out who is, do we have, do we have in our organization a person or a group that's responsible for information security risk and cyber training? And can we work with them to say, can we have our annual, our normal annual training? And then six months later, have a refresher training, something, videos that go out, just something to remind people of what phishing is, what those main five or 10 things we want people to remember. Can we do that again in six months? And I think it's important now because October's right around the corner. Uh, and this is gonna be the start of the DOD fiscal year. And this is when a lot of organizations say, shove everybody through training so we can get it done, so we can check that block, so that when the auditor or the IG comes around, we can say, all our people are trained. Here's the list of people. Let's look at that more programmatically, more pragmatically. Let's say, let's really train our users. Let's do something 
that makes them want to be security aware. Um, one organization I supported, they had a champion program. And it was different levels. They had bronze champion, silver champion, gold champion for security. And they took a little money. They they, they made stickers. I know there's a lot, a lot of money here at stake. But they made stickers at the different levels. And if you completed certain levels of training, then you could be a bronze security champion or a silver security champion or obviously a gold security champion. What's your clipping levels? What would be your levels to push training to push people to want to do the training, to want to do the right thing, to maybe even do extra training. And sometimes it's simple as a sticker. It really is. Gamification. Gamification is a big thing in training now. Can you have a leaderboard um, in your organization? Sometimes you can't. I mean, sometimes there's rules that say you can't. But but could you build something that says, these are the, the, the people that have completed the most training and security? Or these are the people that did, you know, maybe there's 10 things you want people to do. Here's all the people that have completed all the 10 things, right? Or maybe there's five things and five that are stretch. I don't know. Can you make it into more of a game? Can you make it a competition? And the same thing, if you, if you have the ability to send out training phishing messages, you know, can you, can you determine how do you gamify that? Um, you know, what department had the best uh, uh, notification rate? Who clicked the, the link in your email if you've got it? Some, some email programs have it where you can click that, that link that, hey, this is a phishing email, and it automatically sends it off to the right people to identify. Can you have, you know, a leaderboard that says this organ is this part of our organization, this group, 100% uh, notified the, the phishing group? I don't know, what can you do? It's important, and you know why I'm gonna tell you it's important. We, we looked at how ransomware works. And I think ransomware is one of the biggest risks we have on our horizon. Ransomware is a bad risk, and it leverages the same thing that a lot of other risks leverage, and that's the end user clicking a link, the end user going to a site, the end user doing something. Um, and it's, you know, it's in the top three, right? We've got uh, open RDP sessions, we've got VPNs that aren't patched, and then we've got phishing. So if we take care of the first two technical problems, all that's less left is training our end users about security, security um, hygiene. So thank you guys, challenge you guys, look at the article, take a look at it, see what see what it's got to say. Take, take an extra gander out at the PDF. I didn't put the link to the PDF, but it's right in the article. You can look at the, the, the article, an investigation of phishing awareness and education over time, when and how best to remind users. Um, I think, yeah, if you can, if you can do it, I know a lot of people don't like getting in front of video. I, you know, I'm, I am one of them. I'm not, you know, I'm here every morning, but I make a conscious effort to come here, get in front of video. It's not comfortable for most people, but get in front for the better, the greater good, get in front of the camera and, and do a video about fishing. Talk about, heck, do your regular, regular training in October, which a lot of people are going to do here next month, but maybe next April have something that says, you know, hey, it's, it's Jim. I'm here. I want to talk to you about the different types of fishing. This is, this is fishing. This is spear phishing. This is whaling. This is fish fishing. These are the different things that the bad guy's going to do to come after you. And maybe take five minutes, talk about it, 
have a little PowerPoint set up? I don't know, Alex. Do you think that that might even be something worth building a little PowerPoint we can just make available to you guys to take to your organization and do that in April? Help the community go forward. I know, Alex. I, I rely on Alex a lot because he he helps me uh, stay grounded. So, uh, Paul, I'm from your... Paul, Paul and Eric, you're... you're um, you're here a lot as well. So what do you think? Do we build a, a PowerPoint that people can take back to their organization and, and and cover those key salient points in April? Maybe we put a, a reminder on the calendar, April. April's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, out here in the D.C. Metroplex, out here in the DMV, a lot of people are going to do their awareness training next month during Security Awareness Month. That means April's going to be six months from now. Do we put a calendar on the on a note on the calendar six months from now? Drop a a, a PowerPoint that everybody can take back to their organization and train. Um, love when I see the comment come in here, and it just takes me a minute before I can put it on screen. There we go. So Sierra's saying, depending on your company, maybe you could have a prize for the first folks to spot the monthly training training fishing email. Um, yeah, that's a great, and, and I hesitate to say that, and the only reason I hesitate to say that is because there's so many folks around here that are in government organizations that, that can't do that, but if you can, that's awesome, and some government, government organizations can. I went, remember, I worked for a company called Express Scripts uh, out in St. Louis, and I'll throw, throw their name around because it's a pretty good thing, um, and it was October, it's Security Awareness Month, and I was in the security group. They would get the coolest stuff in. I'm talking about like nice binders. I don't know if they're leather, but they they looked like they were leather. Um, you know the the kind of portfolio things. They had the Express logo on them, Express Scripts logo, and then they had like it was like I don't think it said security awareness, but it had some kind of security tagline on it that was really cool. Um, they had cool big coffee mugs that they would give out, like the the insulated nice coffee mugs. They had about 10 different things they would give out. And I was looking, I was like, these things are awesome. And on the security team, we couldn't get any of them. We couldn't, we were excluded from competing, but they gave away some really, really good stuff. And you're right, Sierra, if we can, if you could do that, if you have the ability in your organization to do that, if you have budget to give stuff away and you know, maybe it's just the first people, like you're saying, Sierra, maybe it's the first people or maybe it's, you know, the first group, maybe you make a cheesy trophy. The first, the organization, the, the, the first group in your, in your organization, the first, you know, department to do something gets this goofy trophy and it moves around year to year. Um, I don't know. There's some, some way to, to keep these things going. Alex, yeah, always, we got a, a rolling list of stuff to talk about, Alex, as always. Um, It'd be great, uh, Graciera. Uh, that would motivate people uh, to have to critically look when they receive phishing emails. Yeah, we look at these emails. Sometimes, you know, if you look at them, they just, you know, something is off. And it tells you in the back of your mind, you're like, something's off here. Um, but yeah, it looks like we got, we got the point when people are trained, and then we've got kind of this hump. I'd like to see this, you know, the, it might have to look at the article, see if they've got a graph, how that, if it tapers off, or if it's kind of a steep drop off at six months. Um, 
Yeah, great. Sometimes it's a good article. Good article to talk about because we talk so much about ransomware. Uh, but it's not just ransomware. You know, it's any type of attack can leverage phishing as as the exploit they use to get inside your organization. And some some organizations, both white hat and black hat, and probably gray hat too, they have that that social engineering is kind of the emergency cord. If they can't get in any other way, they use social engineering because they know it's always going to work. Some organizations just exclusively go to social engineering. Do I think that's right? Uh, it, it's It's got its use, but it's not really fully testing the technical capabilities of a system. I think you need to have phishing in there, but it might not be the first method of doing like red teaming or pen testing. That's my view of things. I think have it in your in your bucket of attack techniques, but maybe not the primary one. The first one you go to, um, number dose today, our second story. Um, oh, let's, let's wait for Sierra's comment to come in before we jump on the second story. Sierra says, I worked uh, at a university and the people who were regularly opening phishing email, emails were the students. Uh, people who have grown up with tech seem the most inept at recognizing its risks. I wonder why that is. You, you think they would, since they've been around it so much, they would, they would be um, a little more resistant to it. But you're probably right, um, and maybe it's maybe it's part of that. You know, students generally are younger, and even in like physical risks, go out and doing risky things. Uh, younger people are more adapt or uh, more likely to go out and do risky things, and maybe that's just carries over to to this. Um, I don't know. It's a good point, though. I wonder how, if there's some stats on that. But yeah, so, and, and that could be carried over. I think that same, same comment right there, you know, not to target the younger people in your organization, maybe, but to, but keep track of maybe how different segments of your organization um, react to the training. Uh, and maybe those younger younger folks need a little more um, care and mentoring along the way, and that becomes that becomes a task for those folks that are down the line. Those first line leaders have to be the ones that stress that type of training. I think but that's a good point. Good points here. Thank you so much. So much. So awesome. So Cisco has its its report uh, report out. So for the first half of 2020, the most common critical severity cybersecurity threat to endpoints was fileware. Fileware. Hold on a second. There we go. Drink coffee will help. So the most common critical severity cybersecurity threat to endpoints was fileless malware, according to a recent analysis of telemetry data from Cisco. And we say this, we say you know, the, the fileless malware is something that generally just resides in memory, in RAM, RAM memory. Um, and it doesn't actually put a file on the, the information system, on the system we're working about. Doesn't, doesn't put a file there. Um, so that's one of the, the threats we they worry about. Um, file of threats consist of malicious code that runs in memory after initial infection. 
instead of files being stored on the hard drive. Cisco flagged threats like Coveter, uh, Pow Likes, Divergent, and Lemon Ducks as the most common fileless malware. So they, they go on and, and they do this with each of the kind of the uh, the the threat vectors. They they, lim they limit or they list, um, you know, some of the tools that are in that category. So it goes on to say, this is an article by Threat Post, by the way, and a lot of the information is taken right from the uh, blog post by Cisco. The blog post and the article from Threat Post are in your show notes if you want to jump in and look at those at any time. Uh, Fileless threats consist of oh, another prevalent critical threat to the endpoints in the first half was dual-use tools that are typically leveraged for both exploitation and post-exploitation. Examples in circulation include PowerShell Empire, Cobalt Strike, PowerSploit, Metasploit, and Metasploit, according to Cisco. Um, oh, really? That was kind of quiet. I always have the sound effects turned down because that's the music in the beginning. Oh, really? Yeah, if you're, if, I don't know. Multi-dual use tools, dual, dual use tools, these dual use tools like Cobalt Strike and PowerSploit and Metasploit. I mean, obviously they're going to be in the, the top. Um, white hat, gray hat, black hat, any of these weird hats that they have. I, I saw this post now. There's a, a lot of different colored hats now that are out there. Uh, green hats and all kinds of weird stuff. But anyways, the, yeah, I'm going to stick with it. Black, gray, and white hat hackers. Any of the folks doing pen testing or real live, you know, like the, the threat actors we're worried about, they're going to use tools like Metasploit, PowerSploit, Cobalt Strike, you know, uh, on top of Metasploit. Um, I don't use that. There's so much functionality in those tools. Of, of course, they're, they're going to be a prevalent threat. Um, thanks, Cisco, for that. But it's showing that it's out there and people are using those tools. Um, while these can't, tools can be used for non-malicious activities, such as penetration testing, bad actors frequently use, utilize them. And we saw an article about a month or two ago where we talked about some of the APTs, especially the APTs out of China, not building their own tools so much, but relying on open source and commercial tools like this. Um, so yeah, if you're a pen, if you want to get into that, and Eric, uh, I know you talked a lot about going to RMF, but if you, you or any of the folks that are looking at going to something like red teaming and penetration testing, um, Metasploit. Metasploit is kind of the one of the key linchpins in that world, if you can learn that. I think, you know, you can do a lot in learning two tools with penetration testing. That's Nmap and Metasploit. Uh, and Metasploit, for all intents and purposes, well, it does. Metasploit has Nmap built into it. Uh, I think you should learn how to use it on its own, but that's just me. Those two tools can go a long, long way. Um, of course, I'm saying use it on the good side of things, on the good side, on the, the white hat side, authorized pen testers, you know, working for your organization, doing red teaming with permission. I'm not saying go out and do the bad things, of course. Um, so, yeah, great tool to use, great tool. And then you put something on top of it like Cobalt Strike, even better. It's, it's Things get pricey nowadays. Um, article goes on to say credential dumping tools make up a third critical severity category. The most commonly seen in these tools are malicious act, 
tools that malicious actors use to scrape log-on credentials from compromised computers in the first half of 2020 was Mimikatz. Um, one tool, uh, Mimikatz. Um, yeah, definitely the leader in that area. Scraping credentials. Um, the actors that activity appears to be extending into the rest of the year. Um, CISA has said last week threat actors have been using been spotted. It has got to be a Monday, but it's not. Threat actors have been spotted using Cobalt Strike commercial penetration testing tool to target commercial and federal government networks. They have seen nation states successfully deploying open source tool Mimikatz to steal credentials. And we've talked about that. Um, Cobalt Strike is awesome. Cobalt Strike is an awesome overlay for, for Metasploit. Um, so the first three categories we just talked about compromise 75% of the critical severity indicators of compromise, or IOC, seen by uh, analysis of the period. So 25% that remains is made up of a mix of different malwares, including ransomware. And they list them, Ryuk, Maze, BitPamer, and others. Worms are the next uh, part of that 25% as well. Raminit and Quackbot. Remote access Trojans, uh, Corbot and Glupina. Banking Trojans, Drydex, Dry, uh, Ashroth, and uh, Azurut. Some of these I have not used or seen. And various downloaders, wipers, and rootkits. So that, that whole big last chunk of things is only 25% of what they're seeing coming across. So a lot of the stuff, you know, this fileless malware is first, right? Um, and then we get on the other side, this ransomware worms, remote access, tro I'm gonna, uh, remote access tools, banking Trojans, and various downloaders make up 25%. But that's not saying the first 75% is more dangerous than the last 25% because we know the danger that ransomware has. Um, they also aligned this to the the MITRE attack framework, and we keep we keep keep coming back to this. And and Alex, you said it before. We need to take a deeper look at MITRE in one of these sessions, um, and look at the the, the attack framework. Because um, it's, it's it's a good we we hit on it a little bit when we we're talking about the library that they built. Um, great tool to use. Great tool to use. So. Um, so they laid this onto the MITRE attack framework and provide they can provide context to the objectives of the different parts of the attack, such as moving laterally through a network or exfiltrating co confidential information. Um, obviously, yeah. Uh, multiple attacks that comply to a single IOC, for example, an IOC that covers dual use, such as PowerShell Empire, covers three tactics, defense evasion, uh, execution, and credential access. Um, so saying it, it can hide activities from being detected, it can run further modules to carry out malicious attacks, and it can load modules that steal credentials. Uh, by far the most common tactic, uh, defensive evasion, uh, appears in 75 or 57% of IOC alerts. Execution also appears frequently 41% of the time. Uh, Sierra's heading out. Let me get, go get some, Sierra. Go get some. Go have a good first meeting uh, early in the morning. Um, 
definitely. So yeah, it's the one thing if if you look at this, and if you look at the Cisco article that or the Cisco blog post that is the second link in your show notes on this one, um, I do like that they link it to the MITRE tactics and the MITRE attack framework. The one thing I wish they would have done, and what they've done is they, they've listed it by percentage of IOC seen, percentage of indicators of compromise. So you listen, defense evasion is 57%, execution 41%, persistence 12%, and they go on and on and on. They list it by percentage seen. They, they don't have a table, and it's, it wouldn't be hard to do for, for sure, but they don't have a table that shows the MITRE attack framework in, in chronological order with the percentage of IOC seen. That would have been nice to see in this article. But it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be, definitely wouldn't be hard to do. Just put it in the right order. I just uh, wish they'd have done that. So it's a good article to check out. Check out the Cisco blog post. Check out the article from ThreatPost. Um, took a lot of stuff right, you know, ThreatPost took a lot of stuff right from the uh, blog post from Cisco and expanded on it a bit. Um, yeah, Miter equals great stuff. Miter's doing a lot of good, good, good things from CVEs to the the library we talked about last week to the attack framework to so many things Miter does. They Miter does so many things too. Helping with the 800 series of publications um, even. And then uh, so many, so many other things. Miter doing great things out there. So that's, you know, it's good. Check this out. See where it's at. The big point they're trying to say is um, be aware. One of the biggest, as far as volumes, um, one of the biggest things you're going to see is fileless malware. And that's a trend we're going to, fileless malware, where your malware is running in RAM. Um, nice thing about that. A system reboot kills it, but the problem is a lot of people don't reboot their systems, you know. People don't turn their systems off. So turning the system off will kill this fileless malware, and they'll have to get in again. Um, they may have a backdoor to do that, but that's one of the things to be aware of. Um, and obviously, this could be this type of information can be built into your training program that we talked about in the first article. And last, last up for our talk of the day, I'm going to make this bigger. Um, Iran. Iran, Iran is in the news. Um, so what has happened? Yesterday we talked a little bit about the four things that we need to do to try to get ransomware under control. And one of those things was the political pressure. Um, and it's funny that this article comes just a day after talking about that. Um, so this is an article from SC Media. Obviously, in your show notes, if you want to go check out more. Um, United States ran a full court press against Iranian hackers last week, including indictments from the Department of Justice, the FBI identifying malware used in attack, attacks, and the addition of government-aligned hackers to the sanctions listed by the Treasury. Um, this article is by Joe Urchill. Urchill. In theory, increasing pressure against foreign groups may cause a pause in operations. Alternatively, sanctions could spur countries like Iran to seek retaliation or encourage new espionage. What do the flurry 
what does the flurry actions against Iran suggest about how the threat will change moving forward, particularly for industries like aerospace and non-government groups targeted by Iran in the past? Now, unlike It would be unlike Iran to pause operations, said Sarah Jones, senior principal anal uh, analyst, and Mandian Threat Intelligence. So we've kind of done what that article yesterday said. We're putting, we, we've identified, we've taken and identified these, this hacker group is aligned with Iran. And some of the APT actors are directly associated with Iran. So we're going to reapply sanctions to Iran based on these hostile actions. Kind of exactly what the article said yesterday. How do we start tightening down on some of these things? And this is the this is the point that article made. But what will Iran do now, right? Um, so Sarah Jones from Mandiant goes on further to say, with some APD groups, we've seen lulls to retool when they've been exposed. Uh, there's sometimes a break from what we've seen in the past. Iran actors don't retool. They kind of they use the same tools. They're not retooling. Mays, we saw Mays retool. But Iran. Um, an increase in Iran threats could take multiple forms. On September 18th, for example, amid the federal activity uh, in the city of Carmel, Indiana, reported that uh, website had been defaced by hackers claiming to be from Iran. Defacement, defacements as retaliation were a component of the indictments, then allegedly in response to the U.S. strike killing Major General Somali. Uh, that was that, if you remember, in Iraq, he was hanging out in Iraq for some reason and got killed in a, in a strike. Um, so Iran uh, allegedly uh, got mad and attacked some, some websites. Uh, federal actions show a full range of actors who might respond um, range from Iranian-inspired hacktivists to more formal government actors. So we may see all types of Iranians launching attacks against American interests, American organizations, as retaliation to these sanctions um, being imposed. It's typical in these situations... It's very, very likely there will be increased Iranian threat act, actor activity in response to U.S. restoring international sanctions on the country effective September 19th. And it's from the CrowdStrike Vice President of Intelligence, Adam Meyer, by email. Uh, he noted that other geopolitic, geopolitical stressors might impact Iran's decision, including the U.S.-led deals for the Arab nations to normalize relations with Israel. Um, yeah, given such tensions, CISOs and CISOs need to ensure a response strategy is in place should Iran attacks systems in their sectors. This means uh, watching for indicators of compromise, IOCs, from Iranian-specific malware released by the government. Um, and again, if we look back at that library that might, might have released, we can look at some of the kitten um, APTs and see what they're using. Be tooled up. Be ready to look for those. Have your sock folks on higher alert for Iranian threat actors um, profile stuff. 
And as Dark Trace actor for intelligence and analyst Justin Fear noted, make sure you can handle the off-the-shelf and living-off-the-land tools Iranian actors were caught using, like Metasploit and Mimikatz, which we just got done talking about. Um, he The article finishes with um, Justin saying, if I'm a CISO, I'm looking for to my team and asking if we could stop tools teenagers have access to. That's a weird, weird way to stop this, but it makes perfect sense. Can we stop, you know, if we think the APT stuff, we're going to, we're gonna, we definitely have to worry about the APT stuff, but we may see an increase in Iranian hacktivists coming after U.S. assets, come out, coming after organizations in the United States, and they're going to go find that stuff off the shelf. So if you can go find it off the shelf and you can go find, you know, do you know how to defend against the things on Kali Linux, right? If you can go down and download Kali Linux, you know, and and have Metasploit on there, can you defend against that stuff? Remember, that stuff's all open source. You can grab it from the internet. You can find videos on how to you basically use it. Can you defend against essentially what he's saying at the end of this? Let's get this boil it down. It gets to the end of this. He's saying. Can you defend yourself against script kiddies? Can you can you defend yourself against somebody that downloads tools from the internet and fires them off at your organization? That's got to be the lowest bar clipping level for this thing. So a, a point to this article, if you are that, that cyber person, the risk person at your organization, security, information security, we always talk, especially in the RMF, we talk about when we see changes to the threat landscape, Right? Not just changes to your information systems. Our, our, our change management program looks for changes in the information system, like we add a new feature or we update things or we add patches. That's one type of change. Another change is threat landscape changes. And this is seriously a threat landscape change. Um, if you're an organization that supports the U.S. government, if you are an organization that has some type of um, role in critical infrastructure. This is a change to your threat landscape. Iranian hackers now are more likely to be going after U.S. organizations, United States organizations, American organizations, because of the sanctions that the United States opposed or Im implemented against them. So this is a threat you have to worry about. We have to put this on our threat list that now in, in the United States, the risk of Iran attacking our organization has gone up a click or two or three or four, depending on what our organization does. Are we part of critical infrastructure? Do we do support to the United States government? Do we do support to the Department of Defense? If any of those are yes, we have to think, okay, now we've got to move our risk rating up for the Iranian hacker uh, or the Iranian script kitty for that, that matter. So that's something to be aware of. That's something to be looking out for because it is a specific change to our threat landscape. So take that to work with you today. Those are three articles you should know about, you should know what's going on, and they all kind of link together uh, in one way or another. Um, you know, I like to give you something to talk about around the water cooler. And the thing we're gonna talk about today is it's it's hobbit day and apparently it's frodo and bilbo baggins 
Uh, it's their birthday today. Um, I've given you a link in your show notes um, to the Hobbit meal plan for Middle Earth. So if you need to know how to eat like a Hobbit today, um, you missed the first one. Breakfast was at 7 a.m., but you can make the next one. Second breakfast is 9, 11s is at 11, luncheon is at 1, afternoon tea is at 3, dinner's at 6, and supper's at 9. So there's your meal plan for the day. Um, the link also has, you know, um, when is Hobbit Day? It's obviously today, the 22nd. Uh, and then, you know, what are some, some things that you can have for traditional Hobbit meals? Um, yeah, there's all kinds of stuff on here. So your meal plan for the day is included. Uh, uh, Hobbits, you know, obviously that's the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, J.R.R. Token. Uh, Tolkien, um, Hobbit Day, definitely impact on the geek's world. Hobbits are definitely an impact on most folks in, in security and computers. So that's your rundown. Lafayette, let's put you on screen. New to the show. Welcome. Lafayette, hopefully I'm saying your name right. Obviously, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, folks, if you're new to the show, I mess your name up, let me know. Lafayette, I'm going to think that's what it is. Um, I'm new to the show. Uh, break what I need to know down really quick for me, please, and thank you. Where can I see the archives? You know, it's funny, Lafayette. You are a man with a mind-reading capability. I can tell you that right now. Um. The archives are all on YouTube, but what we're doing, and it's taken a lot longer than I thought, um, is on the website, and somebody pointed out I don't say the dash enough. It's cyber-recon.com. So it's not always, there's a dash in between. On cyber-recon.com, we're building out an archive list that's going to have not only the show notes, but some other links that are included. Um, like everything else, it takes a lot longer than you would think. Lafayette, welcome. Welcome to the show. There is a playlist on YouTube. Um, go to YouTube. The YouTube channel is YouTube front slash Cyber Recon without the dash. Uh, is it without? No, maybe the dash is. In, I think the dash is in re, Cyber Recon. Cyber Dash Recon on YouTube. Sorry. Um, let me make sure I got that right. Sometimes they let me put the dash in. Sometimes they don't. Okay. YouTube.com front slash cyber dash recon gets you to our, our page. Um, the webpage is cyber dash recon.com. But some of the other places like Facebook doesn't let me put the dash in. So it's cyber recon training. It's just a, a mixed bag. I like having the dash there. breaks it up. But that's where you go, Lafayette. There is a, a playlist for all of the cups of cyber. And you can see the transition, how we've changed over the last almost year. I think we've been doing this since January. So, um, yeah, welcome to the show, Lafayette. Good to see you this morning. Oh, <laughs> I, I should have told you that. Yeah, every morning, every single morning. 7.30 a.m. East Coast time we're on. Um, used to last about a half hour. Now it lasts about an hour. We pick between one and three stories to talk about from the news of that day. Things are going to go on. And we also we'll link. We end it with a water cooler talk here. 
weird holiday of the day. So in case you need to talk about things at the water cooler. So yeah, every single day we talk about this. Um, actually, take that back. Every weekday we talk about this. We don't do it on the weekend. So every weekday we talk about it. And um, also on the channel, we do stuff like the RMF training, the Security Plus training, that kind of stuff's all on there. And it's all linked to uh, the, the website being built out to support everything. But yeah, it's good to have you here, sir. Laugh yet. Uh, where you at? Where you at? If you don't mind us asking Lafayette, where are you? Where are you joining us from? Where are you at in the globe? Um, so we're out here. I'm out here in Virginia. We've got a lot of folks that join the show that are from Virginia, but obviously there's folks from everywhere that join in. Uh, great work at Cyber. Been looking for uh, YouTube stuff like this. Yeah, every morning try to. Try to cover the stuff that's going on for the day so you know what's coming at you. And try to break it down why it really matters. Why do we care about these things? Mississippi. Awesome. Well, welcome from Mississippi. Um, hopefully we'll see you. We have some folks that are just here every morning. It's interactive. We want everybody that's watching to be part of what we're talking about. You guys got a ton of information that relates to what we're talking about. So we definitely want to talk about it. The other thing, if you can't make the show, the show is recorded. Obviously, you can watch it anytime during the day. It's also put out in its audio-only format as a, as a podcast on, I guess, all the platforms. All the platforms I could get on. So it's on, it's on iTunes. It's on Amazon. It's on Spotify um, if you want to go out there and check it out. I, don't, I guess I need to get the direct links and put those, start putting those in the show notes, too. But you can listen to it audio only on iTunes. Just go out and look for Cup of Cyber, and you will find uh, this show. Um, obviously, the other things we put on, Cyber Recon puts on, is other things. The other thing you need to know, Lafayette, we need to plan. I'm going to moving the the trivia nights down to only one a month, just because it's hard to keep up with. So one a month um, will be the trivia nights. So... That's what we got going on. That's the that's your rundown for the day. That's the three articles that I thought would be important for you to take forward in your day today. Um, obviously, there's a lot more to cover, but if you can grab those, grab those three and know those. Um, I think it'll help you through the day. So, obviously, as I'm always going to say, take care of your friends, your family, your coworkers. Take care of your organization. Let's take care of each other and move the security goalpost you know forward some help help make security better uh, the bravos would tell you sierra and mike would tell you go get some uh, i'm gonna say be good go out there do good things today we got uh four days of the week left week work week left let's do good things and make things happen if you knew the channel like lafayette welcome welcome you're always a welcome member of the team let's uh let's move security forward guys let's make this a better world by securing it. So, Sorry, I'm not sure about that. there's there she is across the room. Yes, sir. Uh, Army, uh, about 27 years total. Um, yeah, so ex-military. That's where we get the all the. We'll talk military acronyms. We'll drop them in all over the place. So, just so you know, uh, my background, especially Lafayette's asking. We got to answer the question. Um, in the army, came out of high school, went in the army. Um, stayed there, got all the cool, they, you know, they took care of me, uh, got me my clearances, got me trained. I was, came as an infantryman. I left as a computer geek. Uh, 
Um, worked in the intelligence community, worked in the DOD, worked for the FBI, um, worked in, in commercial security in the private sector, financials, pharmaceuticals. Um, that's the big ones. Financials and pharmaceuticals are the big ones. Uh, automotive, a little bit of automotive stuff. So been around the block. That's I got the, this gray hair is from all of that. Um, and I agree. I agree with you, Mr. Hicks. Hua, definitely. So welcome, welcome. Hopefully we'll see you tomorrow morning. 7.30 if you can be here. If you can't be here at 7.30, always watch the replay. If you can't get to the replay, it's uh, on a podcast. Just want to make sure you have access to the information that I can help you with and that we as a communicate communication, as a community, can move forward. Um, let's move the move each other forward. Let's get security moved forward. So welcome anyone that's new. Welcome anybody that's, that's been around a while. It's always good to see you guys. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> Eric. Oh, you guys keep me. Eric's laughing. Anyways, let's get out there and take care of the day. I will see you guys tomorrow morning, 7.30 Eastern time. Same bat time, same bat channel. We'll be here to take on the security challenges of the day. See you tomorrow.